We do have Baldry's beat. Oh, what a night, uh, Keith. Uh, you know, when you take a look at Saturday night, uh, I guess crankiness and change may have been the themes. Everywhere. It wasn't just uh, confined to Vancouver or Surrey. It was in many municipalities, big and small, across the province. 37 mayors going down to defeat. That's a record. Um, whole councils being replaced. A number of incumbent councillors uh, going down to defeat. Incumbents usually have an advantage in municipal elections because the turnout is so low, usually, and it was low again this time, but their name recognition usually holds them in good stead. That didn't work for them this time. We had it here in Victoria, for example, a fairly left-wing, quite a bit left-wing councillor for years, Ben Isaac, who's been a councillor for 11 years, and and topped the polls the last couple of times. He finished 12th in this election. Uh, so it wasn't a left right left versus right thing. It was almost kick the bums out type mentality. As and I think I attributed to people being in a different frame of mind in the, as we come out of this pandemic, where we've been sheltered for a number for you know three years, not not um, really behaving the same way we usually behave. And I think uh, voters were expressing their sort of. Um, feistiness and coming into a new place in terms of expressing their views in a way that we haven't seen uh, in the last couple elections. Keith, when you start to take a look at that and what happened around the province, if you are our current uh, provincial government, uh, the NDP government, uh, what are you saying right now uh, behind closed doors? What's your take back, do you think? Forget the election call. (laughs) I've got to call them out today uh, on Glacier Media saying if David, David Eby, presuming he's going to be the next leader and premier, uh, should take a deep dive into these results, and he can come out with only one conclusion. Now or in the short term is not the time to test the electorate. Right now the, the electorate is very much against incumbents, against sitting governments, and this talk of uh, him calling a, a snap election in the spring I think is going to cool now because until this public sentiment changes in terms of not being angry or frustrated or upset with the incumbents and status quo and desiring change, uh, that is not the time to test the electorate. I think he may well have to wait the full term of uh, to the fall of 2024. Uh, before heading to the polls. Certainly, I think in the in the short term, it would be foolhardy for the NDP to test uh, fate and go to an election given what we saw on Saturday. That was quite an extraordinary... Even though the voter turnout was low, less than 40%, uh, compared to, you know, the last provincial election was a little, a little more than 60%. So many people who voted in the provincial election did not vote on Saturday. But nevertheless, that is a troubling finding for a sitting government to see so many sitting mayors and councils go down to defeat. And again, not because they're liberal or NDP or conservative, just because they happen to be in office. And again, uh, that's trouble for a sitting government. No, we want change. And that was certainly the message uh, in most of the areas around the province and some of the key races. Keith, let's take a look at Vancouver. Um, ABC did, uh, you know, a new civic slate, uh, did extremely well. I don't, did anyone really predict that uh, not just Ken Sim uh, uh, getting into the mayor's chair, but uh, that the slates would do that well? Yeah, no, that's interesting. I mean, Ken Sim winning was not a surprise. You and I have talked about that before. He seemed to have the momentum. But to get all their, every one of their members elected, is quite extraordinary. You have to go back to Vision Vancouver to, to see a slate that pulled that off. Um, so that was a surprise. But again, it's, uh, it's an indication, I think, of a, a crowded field and a split vote on the other side, where you had, you know, 
Kennedy Stewart and I think team perhaps uh, trying to share the same uh, group of electorate. And Ken Sim had uh, the other side pretty well all to himself, even though, you know, Colin Hardwick and team also shared voters with uh, with ABC. But ABC, obviously, Ken Sim's campaign, I think, carried the day, particularly the end of the campaign, <clears throat> when I think the crime issue played into his hands perfectly and played out of Kennedy Stewart's hands perfectly. I mean, Kennedy Stewart spent several years perceived as soft on crime, tried to get it back in the latter uh, days of the campaign, left it too late. Ken Sim capitalized on, on that with, you know, wanting to hire 100 more police officers and such. That became, I think, probably a defining issue for many voters, and that probably put the slate in office more than anything else. But uh, that was an extraordinary win by ABC, no question. Keith Baldry, you've talked about this before, but a lot of uh, the asks from the city of Vancouver go directly to the province. Uh, Does Ken Sim know whose door to knock on? Oh, I think so. I think it's in both uh, government's interest, both Ken Sim's interest and and John Horgan, or whoever replaces Horgan, uh, interest to work together. Vancouver, obviously, a very important city. And I think they will. You know, let me not realize, for all the controversy Doug McCallum courted and created for himself, the fact was he got along with the NDP government quite well. I've talked to NDP cabinets who say, you know, controversies aside and weirdness aside, we get along with Doug McCallum just fine. Uh, McCallum always gave the government credit on a number of issues. And that's, again, two ideologically um, opposite governments. But they got together, they worked together quite well. I expect if uh, they're smart, both sides will get together in Vancouver and and work uh, with each other as well. Ken, you know, ABC has its priorities and they're going to lay them out. And Vancouver, if you recall, is an NDP town, basically, when it comes to the provincial uh, political scene. I mean, the vast majority of writings are in NDP hands, and I don't think that's necessarily going to change. So uh, that's the NDP's hometown, and they're going to have to work with Ken Sim, even though they may be of a different philosophical interest. I don't don't suspect any animosity there. I think Ken Sim's going to see a lot of open doors. Okay, so let's let's pick up and let's talk about uh, Surrey. Because Brenda Locke here is saying something completely different than the executive director of the uh, Surrey Police Board um, when they're talking about the future of uh, the RCMP and the transition. Surrey Police, uh, well, the Surrey Police Board's executive director has uh, said, even after the election, uh, nope, too late. You know, we're going ahead. Uh, that's not Brenda Locke. We just talked to her this morning. That's mm-hmm. not Brenda Locke's stand. Who's right? Who's wrong? How do we know? Uh, you know, I don't think anybody really knows the answer to that question. I heard your convers- your interview with Brenda. Uh, she's determined to uh, reverse this. I've talked to Mike Farnworth, who's sort of still in, sort of holding his cards close to his vest. The provincial government does have a role in this. And again, back to electoral politics at the provincial level. Surrey is critical. As much as Vancouver is, you know, the NDP's hometown, Surrey is a much more strategic place in terms of who holds power in uh, in BC because there's more swing ridings in, in Surrey. And the NDP government and the BC Liberals have to be very mindful of not upsetting the apple cart too much in Surrey. So there was a poll on the eve of the election that suggested 52% of the population in Surrey wanted to go back to, wanted to retain the RCMP, which is, if that's a 50-50 proposition, the province, British government may be damned if they do, damned if they don't, no matter which way they go here. If they if they back Brenda Locke and, and retain the RCMP, that may alienate half the population in Surrey, and if they 
back the uh, Surrey police idea, that may alienate the other half. So it's going to be an interesting and tricky set of negotiations in the months ahead. And again, I don't think anybody really, really knows the answer. Brenda Locke has her opinion. Doug McCallum and Surrey police have their opinion. But none of that has been tested in court. And tested in court, to me, always sounds like it's going to be expensive. I know uh, Brenda Locke kind of shied away from this when we asked her about it. But uh, do you think this is going to uh, come down to taxpayers paying a lot to figure this one out? Oh, I think so. Either way, no matter whether whether it's a court case or whether it's just implementing the transition or going back to the old way, it's going to cost a lot of money. Okay, there are some other, just before we go to the break, and some calls to Keith Baldry at 604-280-9898. Keith, uh, there were some other exciting and interesting races. What are the top ones for you? Well, I think, uh, again, take Chilliwack, where you had for years a school board that seemed to be dominated by sort of the Christian right, blocking Soji and this type of thing. Not only did they handily defeat Barry Newfeld, who had been the the chief uh, school board person when it came to that point of view, they also elected for the first time a trans candidate. So that's, again, a sign that the the demographics are changing. We saw that in the 2020 election when the NDP won seats in Chilliwack, Langley, and Abbotsford. Younger people have moved out to those areas and changed the demographics. Langley, uh, Langley Township, elected, um, put Rich Coleman third. In, in the election there, uh, yeah. former VC Liberal, uh, again, electing more progressive uh, candidates. So progressive slates and mayors won in the suburbs of Metro Vancouver, which further cements the NDP's hold, I think, on the provincial level. So I think a number of those races uh, were fascinating to reflect the changing demographics. I've been you know, harping on this for a number of years that Langley was changing, Chilliwack is changing, Abbotsford's changing. It's no longer the so-called Bible Belt that it was for years. And that was reflected in the results on Saturday, where we saw progressive sites elected, where it was just, you know, a few years ago, unimaginable to see those people elected. But here they won, and in some cases, winning very handily. We've been talking about the aftermath of the civic elections on Saturday. Keith Baldry, Global News Legislative Bureau Chief, is with us for Baldry's Beat. And uh, Keith, you know, uh, one thing that you had talked about was school trustees and uh, how there was this move, this almost anti-Soji move. What did we see as a result? Uh, Not much pickup there, was there? To my knowledge, I don't think any uh, candidate for the Parents Action uh, Party uh, was elected, and and over here in Van- in Victoria, where the Viva Party, the Vancouver Island Voters Association, which is basically the People's Party of Canada, very loosely associated with the Parents Action Group, not not a single, even even remotely close, getting elected. So, I think from that perspective, again, the the far right Christian right failed to get a toehold. And go back to Chilliwack, quite the opposite happened here. A progressive slate of trustees was elected for the first time ever, and the the anti-Soji group was uh, shunted to the sidelines. And we will be talking with Terry Westerby of the Chilliwack School Trustee uh, elected there uh, coming up at, uh, oh, in the 11 o'clock hour. Keith, uh, let's go to some of the calls. Uh, James and White Rock, what do you make of Saturday night's uh, results? Well, I'm glad that Brenda Locke got voted in because she said prior to the election result that she was going to go after McCallum for all of his defense fee money that the city paid for his defense for this trial. And I want to know if Keith has heard anything about her actually going ahead with that so we can get back part of the money to put the RCMP back into Surrey. 
Well, frankly, I'll be surprised if uh, Locke really pushes on that and whether she's ultimately successful in getting McCallum to pay his legal fees. It's a nice issue to talk about in the campaign. The, intricacies, the legal intricacies of this are something else, and I think McCallum probably is going to be able to have an argument that uh, the city's going to have to indemnify him. It's interesting, James. Uh, she did say in the last half hour when we talked to her that she would be going ahead. But as Keith points out, uh, what you say and what you can actually do maybe two different things. Mm-hmm. Thanks for the call, James. Mike in Vancouver, what do you think? Hey, guys. Enjoy the show. Hey, just want to know, Keith, what do you think of uh, EB endorsing Stewart? Do you think he regrets it now? <laughs> Yeah, uh, talk about awkward uh, when they first meet, Mr. Eby and Mr. Sim. I was surprised that Eby did that. I mean, if you're running for pre- to be leader and you're going to become the premier, you sort of should stay ab- above the fray of partisan politics. And I even talking to some NDP caucus members, they were taken aback by that as well because Kennedy Stewart was not the, had the greatest did not have the greatest relationship with the NDP government. That was clear through the pandemic. But there was pressure on the Vancouver uh, NDP MLAs to endorse Stewart, which was a sign to me, and it turns out to be correct, that his campaign was in trouble, that his campaign needed a boost from some names. So David Eby, Adrian Dix, uh, George Heyman, Carol James, Mike Harcourt, all at the lo- as 11th hour endorsed him. It had absolutely zero positive impact. And I think it's, um, again, looking down the road, Eby should have realized he, he may have to work with the mayor of Vancouver, who was not Kennedy Stewart, so stay out of it. And I think he probably does regret it. Thanks for the call, Mike. Uh, also in Vancouver, Elmer. Elmer, what do you think? Hey, Keith. Uh, Surrey's conflict, uh, RCMP versus the uh, Civic Police Force. What in the world is the federal government's interest in keeping the RCMP in Surrey? I mean, they've got to pay money to keep them there. Well, the RCMP is a federal police force, and the federal government does support the RCMP. So I think uh, Brenda Locke is going to have a sympathetic year talking to Ottawa, Mendocino, the public safety minister, but uh, the province holds the key here, and it's unclear exactly which way this is going to go. I mean, as as Brenda told you, Bruce, uh, she thinks she's got the the wherewithal to push ahead by reversing this, and you've got the chief of police in Surrey saying, no, it's too late. And I don't think either one necessarily has a complete handle on the situation. There's also the National Police Union representing RCMP officers, and I think if they were to take a look at a Surrey, they may say if we lose here, we may lose members in other uh, places where mm-hmm. we have detachments. Yep. No, that's a, that's a very good argument. Uh, slippery slope argument that you lose Surrey, you can lose other places. Yeah, I appreciate the phone call. Uh, in Richmond, Richard, how do you feel today, it being Monday after the civic elections? Hi there. I just, uh, I guess, I, I guess I got some free advice for Brenda Locke. Uh, I, it seems to me that her biggest problem is that they've hired a bunch of police that are not RCMP. Well, Ken Sims looking for a bunch. I think he wants a hundred over there. So there you go. Two problems solved. You know, it's interesting, and we've talked about that, uh, Keith, uh, you know, before we went on the show, myself and uh, producer Corey. Uh, you know, it, it could be as simple, it seems, as just uh, flipping over, but that's not the case, is it? No, I think it's much more complex than this, and, and I honestly don't know which side is right here. Is is the, you know, are we too far down the road to flip back? 
Uh, Brendan Locke says, no, we're not. Doug McCallum and his uh, supporters said, yes, we are. Uh, and again, the ball's going to be in the provincial government's court very soon. I'm not sure which way they're going to go. Richard, thank you so much for the phone call. And thank you. If you didn't get a chance to get your phone call in, you can call the buzz line with your opinions about what happened. 604 331 2899 Keith Baldry, Global News Legislative Bureau Chief. Thank you, and I hope you get to relax a little bit after this long campaign. <laughs> no, 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 relax. Okay. Okay, talk to you no tomorrow. Relax.